Hello, and welcome to Rough Radio. I'm Patricia Allison from the Shakespeare and the Rough Leadership Collective. Today I'm sitting down with Andrew Gerza, Disability Awareness Consultant from the Boys in Chairs Collective, to talk about their upcoming show, Access Me. Join us as we talk about disability, sex, queerness, and representation on stage. This episode is for mature audiences. Listen in. Okay, do you want to start by just saying your name and your pronouns mainly so that I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, my name is Andrew Gerza and my pronouns are they and he, but they are interchangeable. Amazing. And do you want to go like way back and tell us like the long form story on how you became the artist that you are today? Cool. In May, on May 6th, 1984, I was born. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, go for it. I say go that far back. Um, how I became the artist I am today. You know, I have I have trouble calling myself an artist. Because I, I had never planned on being one. Mm-hmm. I studied law at Carlton U for 10 years. My plan was to be a disability rights lawyer. Oh, damn. And then when I got out of school and finished my MA and realized nobody was going to give me a job mm-hmm. and nobody was hiring. And I realized when you take a soft arts, a soft social science degree that like, the jobs don't come so easy and nobody really wants you for that. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck, I have to work. And so then I started telling my disability story and being like, well, I guess I'll do that. But never, even during that, I never considered myself an artist. I still don't. Okay. Um, I love that term, but I feel like I'm not, I'm just being a goof. I'm just doing like thing. <laughs> I'm not really an artist. Like to me, it doesn't feel like that's not to say that there aren't amazing disabled artists. For, for, for me, that label feels not quite earned yet, but it's weird because mm. I've done TV, I've done theater, like I'm doing theater now with the show. Mm-hmm. But like my trajectory to doing this was just like the people, the people that are, that had heard my name mm. from me talking so openly about sex and disability, and you know, for 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 two years before we started creating the show, I had been like hustling my wares and being like, hey, let's talk about sex and disability. Let's talk about being mm. and queer. Let's talk about all these. And I, I was very, very like open about that. So, I mean, that's my persistence in that area is kind of what led everybody to me for this thing we're doing now. That's amazing. I also love how um, like making art was sort of like your fallback plan. That you're like, oh, I yeah, know no. what's really stable working in the arts. Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah, so stable. Well, no, I, I, you know, I had, I'll be really honest. I had, I had finished my master's mm-hmm. in legal of legal studies from Carleton U. Mm-hmm. Go see you. Um, <laughs> and ironically, they've hired me a bunch of times since then to talk on queerness and disability. So that's always cool. Yeah. But um, you know, I finished the degree and I moved back closer to my home, and I was like, oh fuck, I gotta work. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I went to a bunch of disability um, disability people who were set up within the government to help disabled people find jobs. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to be a speaker. Like, 
I have a story to tell. I want to do that. Can you can you sign me with like a speaking agency thinking it would be, oh yeah, there must be people that do this. And they yeah. all said, oh no, no, no. Mm-hmm. That's a nice hobby. That's not a real job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, fuck you. Yeah. Watch me make it a job. And I literally, I I stole the term disability awareness consultant from somebody somewhere on a website. I was like, oh, I like that. That's what I do. Great. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and I just started saying, I want to do this, but I want to, I want to do it with a queer bend a little bit. Mm. And I want to make it extra queer. And I want to talk about being queer and disabled. And no one at the time, it's way more prevalent now, but like 10 years ago, nobody was really talking about that. We were barely mm-hmm. talking about sex and disability. Fuck. We're barely talking about sex and disability now. Yeah. Um, so nobody was doing it. So I kind of came in at the perfect time because I was like, not only do I want to talk about it, I want to do it with my shirt off. I want to, I want images of me being sexualized in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I really want, I want to talk about how I like to suck dick. I want to like do all these things, all mm-hmm. these like really provocative things to make someone notice me. Um, and kind of that's how I kind of came into all of this. That's brilliant. So if you don't identify necessarily as an artist, it's like, do you really hold on to the term like storyteller? Like you're just there to like tell a story and connect to an audience. I like disability awareness consultant because people Mm. have tried to try to say I'm an activist and that feels a bit for me. And I only speak for me, for me, Mm -hmm. you know, the activist part I understand that there's a lot of anger in activism and I fully support people who who are angry about the oppression they've gone through, of course, mm-hmm. and they should be angry and mm-hmm. disabled people should be fucking angry. But for me, I was always like, I don't want to fight with you. I want to invite you into a conversation. Mm-hmm. So if I consult with you, you're much more apt to talk to me about things. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I say I'm an activist, a lot of people might hear that and go, oh, okay, you're immediately going to be adversarial to how I see something right, I was yeah. like I don't want to I don't want that energy into what I do mm-hmm. I guess you could say I'm an activist but I don't use the term very purposefully so that I can I can have a conversation with you mm-hmm. um, and I do it very specifically and people in the activist world get really mad at me because I say you know I say I'm the I me I am not an activist you can totally be one and I support you but that isn't what I do because I simply want to have a conversation Mm, I love that. That's awesome. So at what point did you either form Boys and Shares Collective, join it? What's the story? What's the ethos or the catalyst for Boys and Shares Collective? Yeah, I have to give kudos to my fellow actor, Ken Harrower, who he was the one who decided that he wanted to make a play about sex and disability. It was Mm. all him. I... I hadn't I, I was simply brought on. He had heard about what I was doing. And and the story goes, at least how I've been told it a number of times now. He went into Cahoots Theater on Queen East in twenty twenty, I think twenty eleven or twenty twelve, he he says. And he said to them, Look, I want to do a play on sex and disability. And he just was really he said, Who can I talk to? And so he talked to the 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 people there at the time and they said you know we know Jonathan Sinan who's done some really great things mm-hmm. um connect with him and so then the next thing I know I get an email from Ken that's like hi I know your work you have no idea about me here's what I do 
I want to put a play together on sex and disability. And I know you talk about sex and disability a lot. Do you want to be invited? And so one afternoon at, at like two in the afternoon, I, I trundled down to the 519. And at that point I lived mm. in Richmond Hills. So it was, a, it was like, it was a trek. Hours. Yeah. It was a trek yeah. to get there, but I was like, okay, let me just go see. And I, I was very naive to what, to what it takes to produce a show. I had no fucking idea what mm-hmm. went into the, to the, like the making of a production. I, I was very, very naive. Mm-hmm. And so I, I met, I met Jonathan Sinan and Ken Harrower and we sat around a table and they said, this is what we want you to be involved. What do you think? And I said, oh yeah, sure. And I left kind of excited and I thought, oh yeah, it'll be done in six months to a year. <laughs> and now we're eight years into this thing and we're finally putting it on as a full theater show. Yeah. Um, so, so it started with Ken Harrer and Jonathan Sinan and then they brought in Frank Hall, who's a dancer who's mm-hmm. been all over New York, who's been all over Canada as a wheelchair dancer. And the three of us, Ken Ken, Frank and I are the principal actors. And then there's there's Debbie Patterson, who's our, our dramaturge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Jonathan Sinan, who is our associate director. Uh, Brian Postalian, who is, I believe, yeah, he's our director this time around. We had a bunch of title changes through the years. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of folks who have really made this show go. But I was just far along for the ride. It was certainly not my, it was certainly not my, my my I did not come up with it it was not my idea it was definitely Ken and I have to give him give him all the props for that that's amazing (laughs) that that is like a long journey um do you feel like having gone through this once you'd do it again or was there something about like being naive about like the process that you know you know now that I'm in it and I'm doing it honestly now that like this is our eighth summer getting together and sitting down and doing it. The first summer was story creation. So I remember that first summer we sat mm. in cahoots every day, like two to three times a week. And we just told story over and over again. And they, Jonathan did a brilliant job of crafting that into a script and mm. taught us how to like turn that into a story that an audience would, 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 would want to see. And how do we make this into like a piece of a show? And like he, mm-hmm the team behind us are are brilliant to what they do because I don't I, I'm not an actor I have no idea how to do what I'm doing mm. and like I think the reason why this show works is because we're not playing we are playing a character there I'm playing the character of Andrew but we're playing heightened versions of ourselves right yeah and so it's really easy to just amp yourself up a little bit when you're going on stage because you know you're not really yourself but you are it's really weird but they've yeah. done an amazing job of teaching you know, I'll speak for me, they, they've done an amazing job of teaching me how to turn it into a story. I had mm. no idea what I was doing, and they've done a brilliant job of, of helping us do that. That's awesome. Um, in full transparency, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, so this summer we're doing uh, like a reimagining of Shakespeare's Richard III. I don't know how like, heard. familiar you are with the story of Richard III. Um yeah, they, uh, isn't it also like a weird TV show now called like Teenage Dick or something? I feel like there's that was like uh there's a play called Teenage Dick and they just did it in Calgary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's the year of Richards. Like there's a lot of theater companies doing Richard, which is really exciting because kind of like Debbie Patterson also is like helping out with some dramaturgy on yeah, RPs. Yeah. 
Debbie was like one of the first disabled actors. Yeah. Vibe about Debbie for five minutes. <laughs> yes, hey. yes, we can. Debbie Patterson makes my heart mm-hmm. so happy. She yeah. is one of my favorite people on the planet. Yeah. I adore her. We she and she's not with us really this time around because she's you know being famous in Stratford. In Stratford, right yep. Yeah. So she's being famous, which is amazing. Like she's on she's on occasionally on a Zoom, but normally we would have her there every summer and we mm. would having another wheelchair user in the room as a dramaturg mm. is the most important thing. I think that if you're going to do a play about disabled theater, you need somebody in the room who is yeah. not part of the show, but lives the experience enough to be like, try it this way, try it this way. Let What about this? I, she is, I could gush about her for 50 million years. One of my favorite people, and I'm so proud of where of, of what she's doing. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't hype her up enough. Yeah, she like and also is just so. I was gonna say like low key, but I don't think low key is like the word. Just so humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She really, but you know, when you look at her accomplishments, like you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, you're, you're like a bona fide star. What are you talking? She <laughs> yeah. just. Like, oh whatever no big deal like, yeah she's, so, she's such a chill human being and one of my favorite things when she was in town you know helping us put this together we would always go to cahoots first and so we'd go to cahoots and then on our lunch breaks her and i would just walk around shoppers and mm. just get like chocolate bars and just like walk around and we we all the time live so your best lives happy. yeah just <laughs> like the biggest dorkiest things and then there she is like going off shopper and like you know, she's started her own theater company. Like she's mm-hmm. a badass. Like I yeah. Patterson is just wow. She's the dream. Yeah, yeah. And like, so she was, ugh, and I should have like probably fact-checked this beforehand. She was like one of the first, if not the first, like actually disabled actors to play Richard the Third. Like normally Richard the Third is played by like an able-bodied, good-looking young guy. Um, yeah. so like Debbie Patterson is like, you know, known for like having not only like taken on that role and like, you know, <laughs> I was going to say, did it some like disability justice, but I like, mean, really did yeah, but yeah. like, I, it, like, so one of my first conversations with her, when I was like envisioning this piece, I kind of went into it because I'm just so like, I went into it being like, I'm so sick of able-bodied actors playing this role. And like, they're normally like, it normally involves them feigning some type of disability on stage. And it just yeah, like yeah. makes my skin crawl. So I never like enjoyed that character really and then like it was like in our first meeting that debbie was like no let me tell you why richard is brilliant and like (laughs) totally sold me on which i feel like shaped a lot of the direction that this show ended up going in um now that i I know she has had a hand and i'm gonna have to come see it yeah beforehand you wouldn't have but yeah of course i would have but now i mean now i definitely will (laughs) yeah that's amazing So one of the reasons why I'm like super excited to see your show and I was like super excited to talk to you is because, I mean, the thing that our show is trying to do with Richard is unpack the disability trope of like disability and villainry. Yeah. Which is like the thing about Richard, but the like subtext to that 
is that a lot of his like long speeches are about essentially kind of like sex. Like he's like, no woman will ever want to lay with me because I'm so disabled. And like, no, like it's like such a far reach in his imagination that like sex will never be possible for me, like because I'm disabled. And I was like, well, yeah. first of all, that's bullshit. And yeah. second of all, here's a whole collective of people that are like uh, putting that, uh, themselves on stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, like, speak about that a little bit. Speak about your passion of sex and uh, unpacking that, it. Uh, wow, how many hours do we have? <laughs> yeah. uh, um. So my passion, you know, my my passion in unpacking sex and disability, it was really hard to put these stories in a play. Mm-hmm. And it's been really hard to, and I love them, and I'm so fine. Like they're my, they're you know, they're my stories now, but all of our stories. But to put them in a play, and to have to talk about how nobody wants to fuck us, nobody wants to have sex with us, nobody wants to, how hard it is to find queer community, and that's a lot of what our play does. It mines Ken's stories, Frank's stories, and my stories about trying to get laid and trying to be queer and trying to do all that. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell that story night after night, which we'll do this when we do the show, like, I'm so proud of that, but also, like, I I don't know if it's going to change anything, and that part makes me kind of upset because it's like, mm. tell these stories, we're going to show that disabled queer men are fucking sexual, and mm-hmm. here they go on stage doing that. But at the end of the show, if somebody would be like, oh, that was hot, here's my number, like, or let's hang out, or let's get a drink. Like probably not. And I that, mean, that's I mean, the hope. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Just from past, who knows? But yeah. you know, from past experience, probably not. Um, and it can be really. I love it, but it's also there's a it's a big undertaking to mm-hmm. continue all those stories. Mm-hmm. Time in and time in. So like we had a, we had a break from rehearsal today, and oh my goodness, it was so needed it was so mm. nice to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be in the stories for a little bit mm-hmm. do you f- yeah do you find have you like figured out because it essentially is like reliving trauma on yeah. stage have you like figured out a routine for yourself of like I'm gonna call it self-care but like that where you can kind of like put it aside for a day let's call it Crip care for for Crip right now. Care, I'm making yeah. it up right now. I'm just putting it in there. I don't know what yeah. it is. Let's call it that. Um, well, you know, we've been working with the the esteemed Bruce Dow as our mental mm. health professional mm-hmm. professional on set. And he's really good about saying, like, no, before you go on stage, you know, do something, find a sticker, find a spot, and then your stage, Andrew. And then when you get off stage, mm-hmm. put leave it there. And that's been hard. Like, like, thank goodness he's there because every week at the end of the week, we go to him and say, I feel like this, I feel like this. Mm-hmm. Having that there and having somebody who also understands the rigor of theater and he's like, I know what it's like to embody a character and then have to go home. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know your body doesn't, your body doesn't know what's happening. Your body doesn't know you're just playing. Mm-hmm. Your body thinks it's real. Yeah. So to have him there has been really great and grounding for us to have somebody at the end of the week to be like, you know what, this feels like shit. Here's how I feel about this. Can we talk about it? Um, but I think, you know, 
it's really hard to bring an audience into a world of sex and disability and do so in a way that's fun and playful and accessible. Mm-hmm. And we really tried to make our play as accessible as possible for everyone. And we've said to everyone, whether you're disabled or not, come and learn about sex and disability over 90 minutes. And it's like the show is go, go, go from the minute we go mm. the minute we open to the minute we're done. Um, yeah. But it's, and it's funny and sexy and dirty and raw and so all these things. But it's so cool to see that on stage because we never see that. And one of the things that I love about our show is when you usually, usually mm-hmm. when you see a disabled character on stage, we're usually talking about an, about a non-power wheelchair user. So mm-hmm. usually somebody with a manual chair and mm-hmm. there's one character with a disability and that's it. Mm-hmm. This play has three main leads with, a dis- with disabilities, all of whom are in power chairs. That mm-hmm. to me is like, a groundbreaking thing that I don't yeah. think I've ever seen anywhere ever. And that makes me really excited because it's a reminder that disability theater doesn't have to be one mm-hmm. tragic story. It can mm-hmm. be funny and dark and all the things that theater is, but with a disability slant to it. And that's what I love about our show. Cause it's, it is raw and dark and mood, all the things theater can be, but yeah constantly reminding the audience we're disabled we mm-hmm. of us are let's talk about that yeah that just reminds me so we're working with um alexa bezos right now um on this richard three piece and we were in rehearsals and we were workshopping and she was talking about how sometimes folks hesitate to use the word disabled so they'll be oh, like no. trying to talk to her and like kind of like trying to navigate it and then alexa's I- like like I'm disabled, like just like that's just what it is, and that like this doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like, <laughs> there's a part in the play we, and I'm not going to give too much away, but there's a part in the play where one of the audience members asks all of us, um, "How do you identify?" And mm-hmm. so I come out and I say something like, "Oh, I identify as your disabled dork with a big dick. I identify mm-hmm. as your queer cripple identifies your bear in a chair like I, I play with that identity trouble a little bit in the show mm-hmm. and but I think to your to the larger point I love watching people stumble over whether or not they can use the word disabled mm-hmm. because it's like no disabled is a clean word it's clean it's mm-hmm. simple you know exactly what you're getting it's packaged the right way it's that's also why I, why I personally like to use the word cripple or crip mm-hmm. because it's clean. It's simple. You know exactly what you're getting. There's no, like, there's no, like, oh, what does this mean? How does this work? Yeah. You know what cripple, you know what cripple means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go with that. So I like to play with that a bit in the work I do because it shocks people a little bit. They go, did you just use cripple in a word? What yeah. do I do with that? And I just love their, like, reaction. And you're like, well, I do, but also don't you dare use it in reference to me. <laughs> I mean, I have a different viewpoint on that actually. Like if I'm oh great, if I'm, if I'm close with you and we're friends, mm-hmm. and you're, even if you're able-bodied, like then go ahead and use it. Like I don't, I don't think that I have reached this point in my activism. I know, and I know I said I wasn't an activist. Okay, yeah, in yeah, my yeah. <laughs> in my consulting work, um, where like I know that words have power, but I also mm-hmm. listen to the tone and the intention behind the word. So are you trying to knife me with the word or are you just stumbling through? And if you're just stumbling through or you're trying to make a joke or you're trying to connect, 
I, me personally, mm-hmm. try to go, all right, well, maybe cripples not so horrible. Like, okay. And if I mm-hmm. if I bring you into that world and then say you can use this word around me, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you learn so much about my, my disability experience because I've said there's no barrier here. I'm not going to be upset if you do this. No, my experience is not. And my experience is not one of that's common for everyone. A lot of people would say, don't call me that. Mm-hmm. I'm also aware mm-hmm. of the privilege that I hold in saying that mm-hmm. and saying, you know, call me a cripple. But I feel like for me personally, it's opened up so many more conversations than mm-hmm. it has closed them down. People are curious. Why do you use that? What does it mean? Why did you say it? And it opens up a conversation. And I think if we can play with that kind of language on stage and make people go, oh, what did he say? Mm-hmm. Why did he do like that? Makes people think. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so much of it is just about getting that conversation started, right? Like yeah. as we go into this season, we're using like capital D disability. Like this is like capital D disability reclaiming of like the character of Richard the Third, and you know, like not that we've gotten pushback, but it's definitely like started conversations. Because people are like, no, I don't think like disability isn't like the word you should be using or like capital D versus like lower D. And I'm like, yeah, but like, let's talk about it because the experience is so varied. Not to be super queer, but I like all the D. So whatever D you want to be. Be as queer as you want. I'm by, so Uh, I'm on both sides. Perfect, amazing, amazing. (laughs) Um, You know, but, but I think, you know, all we can do with disability theater right now, because really and truly um so much of disability disability activism and disability justice work is in its infancy really and truly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so all we can do right now is start a conversation all i want to do with the play and all i think all what all three of us want to do is plant a seed in your brain make you laugh a little bit make you think about disability differently make you see the three performers on stage go wow they're really owning their sexuality. That's kind of hot. I'm going to go mm-hmm. talk to them after the show, or I'm going to go like give Andrew my number because he's really cute. And I want to, <laughs> somebody give me their number. But like, you know, <laughs> I, I think all we can do is start a conversation. Um, yeah. And all we can do is uh, l- let the seeds grow on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you've touched on this, but like, is that basically what you're hoping that audiences will walk away with? Like they'll come see your show and it'll start a conversation or it'll get them thinking. Yeah. I really hope they walk away with a smile on their face and they go like also, and just a quick aside, one of the things I love about the, about the show also is that we use disability equipment throughout the show. So there's at one point, there's a a special lift to get you in and out of bed that we use as part of the artistry. And that is, Again, something I don't think I've ever once seen on stage, ever. Mm-mm. And I get to be in it, and that's all I'm going to say. But, yeah. you know, we get to do that, and we get to show parts of the disability experience. There's a part in this play where, you know, I ask an audience member to pretend like they're going to be one of my caregivers. Mm. And, you know, it's, what I also love about the show is it's very interactive. So it makes the audience immediately be dropped into this world of disability and make them think about how does them like make them think about the ableism and some of the questions people mm-hmm. ask. There's a whole part about 
questions around the show, and it really uncovers our ableist assumptions around sex and disability and getting these wonderful audience members who to ask these questions, you know, they don't want to hurt anybody, but, but we have designed it where they ask a question and then we playfully give them an answer and then they, we, then that's it. And then they have to think about it. So the whole show is designed to make able-bodied people think and to make queer people, queer disabled people in in the space or just disabled people in the space say oh i'm seen here too mm -hmm. i like so i me i have two desires for it i want non-disabled folks to go away with thoughts and mm -hmm. i want disabled folks to be like i was seen here i i had space here and i feel valued here mm -hmm. and and would you say because you i mean you seem like a hilarious person and you've referenced you. that the show is hilarious. Would you say that there's something about laughter that's important to you? Oh yeah. I think my whole character and I'll speak for what I do in the show, my whole character and my version of Andrew in the show is completely cheeky, mm -hmm. says hilarious things, makes a joke. Like, and some of the, some of the stuff in the show is, is, we're allowed to ad lib a little bit. So there's a whole part where I can say whatever the fuck I want. And it's, I play around and I make a joke and I, you know, my goal is to make the audience laugh and in, in, in their laughter, the discomfort around disability, hopefully will fade away. Yeah. So many people are uncomfortable around disability because they can't picture the reality that in, that one day, if they're lucky enough, they will become disabled themselves. And I don't, I'm yeah. not saying, I'm not saying lucky in a light like flippant way if we live long enough we'll be lucky to be disabled mm -hmm. and to need care and to need support so when I make you laugh about it it's not so scary anymore mm -hmm. and there's something beautiful about that because typically when we think about disability and especially in the way that we talk about it here in, in our show like it's people think it's scary and the idea of engaging with a disabled person sexually is terrifying mm -hmm. so scared because because of why they think they're going to hurt us. They think that we're not sexual. They think that all of these things in this play drops you right in the middle of three characters, sex lives and says, Nope, everything you thought about sex and disability was wrong. Here it is for real. Watch. Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, are there anything like, does anything exist? in I was gonna say like pop culture or like you know fringe culture like either a book or a tv show or a movie like do you have is there anything you can reference where you think it's been done right like I mean queer sexuality not, not to tell my own horn a little bit but I'll go yeah. back to some stuff that I've done <laughs> I was oh, this guy said so bougie but I I <laughs> I got to work on the new the newest installment of Queer as Folk Mm -hmm. that came out last year and then was swiftly canceled thanks tv mm -hmm, um, of course but I, yeah. I i got to work as a production consultant for that series mm -hmm. and i got to provide my feedback as a disabled person for because they have disabled characters wheelchair using characters in the show mm -hmm. and i got to provide feedback for how it would go and then one day they called me into the product they called me on a zoom and said you know we know you you did a sex party for disabled people eight or nine years ago, 
um we want to put that in the show do you want to come down and be a part of it and I was like uh sure so you know I got to fly down to New Orleans and film with like a with like you know famous folks and do all that and I got to do a scene where and people have seen it now so I can say what it is I got Mm -hmm. to do a scene where I'm in the sling having you know having sex with somebody and showing my disabled sexuality quite blatantly in the show Um, that's amazing and that um that I think was done right because they really took strides to make sure we're consulting with disabled folks we're doing it right Mm -hmm. and for this play like I have to give props to our non-disabled um the non-disabled folks that we're working with they have been so they have done it so right for not only the show itself but what do you need to help us help you get there on time what do you need if you need to go pee during the show we have a someone who is an associate producer jordan campbell who has done cool things in theater but there also are um personal support worker that's there every day to make sure that at lunch i go pee and you know Mm -hmm. so the non-disabled folks have said what like what the fuck do you need to make this go we'll Mm -hmm. do it for you what do you need Mm -hmm. and that's been really really valuable it you know there's sometimes we'll get tired and so they brought in mattresses so that we can have a nap if we need to mm. you know while we're there and so they've really done their due diligence to make sure that this we're not just putting on a show about disabled folks and not taking care of them mm-hmm. we're making sure they're all good to go and there's something i think that's really special about that which is why i love working as a team as both non-disabled and disabled folks to make this go because each of us listen to each other and we work as a team and i think there's something really brilliant in that little microcosm that's kind of a call to the rest of the world like we can do this together if we just mm-hmm. fucking listen to each other mm-hmm. and over the i mean and we've we've certainly had our moments with each other where we're like fuck off i gotta i need a, i need a minute <laughs> yeah. here yeah. but like but like for the most part and like 99.9 percent of the time it's such a lovely experience because they are they have no problem saying we don't know what it's like to live in a disabled body tell mm-hmm. us Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's that is really special and so Jonathan Sinan and Brian Postalian and, and like all the non-disabled folks that are in the room mm-hmm. are just invaluable because they they're like sponges they want to learn they want to understand to make the show better and that's I love that that's amazing and where my brain just went with that I was like that's interdependence also yeah. is what you're creating yeah. and then like also low key, you're also an interdependent magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And so that that is totally what we're creating. And so like I I love that we were asked to do that, and I love yeah. that they said you know we want to put your show in a in a book. Like again, when I when I signed on in 2015 to do <laughs> this show, I never thought we'd be where we are. Like we mm-hmm. at one point we were invited to maybe go to Australia for one of their shows, but then funding fell through and COVID happened in the world. COVID mm-hmm. stopped. It's, so like, we don't it's know. literally on fire right now. Yeah, yeah, literally. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, you know, the hope is, and this this version of the show, we're funding by ourselves. We're doing it by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we, and we haven't been in the same room with each other for four years because COVID. So this is the first time since 2019 we've done the mm. show. And so we're, terrified but excited and I think to have two other actors for me to have two other actors who are power wheelchair users with me there every day going through similar shit 
Mm-hmm. And like Ken is gonna be 62 at the end of our like his birthday Amazing. is the close of our show on the 24th. Mm. And like to hear him say, you know, I finally this isn't a show that I wanted to do since I was a kid, or like yeah. I've wanted to do for years and years, and I've wanted to be an actor doing this. To hear to know that both of them, Ken and Frank, um and me, all of us have this like camaraderie and this like brotherhood. I, they were on my show a few weeks ago and we joked and I said, oh, we're kind of like this weird throuple because we <laughs> see each other every summer and then we go away for a couple of years and we come back. Like it's very, it's very, really, it's so, so cool to have three other disabled folks in the room mm. who, who understand the experience of shitty transit, getting to and from the venue, trying yeah. to like do costume changes, trying to use the bathroom, accessibility that way. Like there's so many mm-hmm. things I think when you're creating a show especially in the traditional theater space. Like we don't think of relaxed performances, like mm-hmm. attending care workers. We don't think of all this stuff. And one cool thing in our show is we say at the top of the show, hi, we're the Boys and Chairs Collective. We're a disability-led collective. This means that we operate on crip time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, crip time is the idea that you can bend any time or any art form or any project to whatever your needs are. You can be flexible. You can have as much time as is required. You can come and go as you need to. Like We really have tried to embody this, like, yes, mm-hmm. we have a show. Yes, there is a structure. But if shit happens, that's okay. And I think that really speaks to what it is to be disabled because sometimes you got to roll with it. And to know that that's in the show and that kind of comfort for us as, as performers too, because mm-hmm. I say at the top of the show, like, this is crypt time to worry whatever happens happens. Like, there's something really powerful about that to know you can go on a show and be like, okay, if shit goes down, whatever, mm-hmm. we'll deal with it. Oh, that's so funny. So I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 30. So I had like 30 years of living one way. And then, you know, so I'm like six, seven years into this journey, but it's still new. And I would say that crip time is one of those things that I'm still trying to wrap my head around in terms of like my own standards. So yeah. like just this morning, I like woke up feeling like shit this morning and like called to reschedule a doctor's appointment I was supposed to have. And I felt like so good. Cause I'm like the type of person that's always on time. I'm so efficient. I'm <laughs> all the, like I pride myself oh, on just it. Wait. Just <laughs> yeah. wait. That's and then, real quick. I like, I called the essentially like I had kind of worked myself up about it and I felt so bad, but I was like, I just can't do it today. Cause it was also supposed to be like cognitive testing. And I was like, honey, like I can't think straight right now. I'm not about to do any yeah. cognitive test. And, and like, yes, lo and behold, the nurse on the other end of the line was like, no problem. Like, it was like, she was like, this happens often at our clinic. And I was like, oh, of course it does. Like, yeah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it was such a non-thing. But yeah, it's like something that I'm still adjusting to. And I like, I it's one of those things I've heard other people reference it. And I'm like trying to get on if board. Want, but Just total sidebar. If you want to come on my show and just talk about that for an hour. Like... <laughs> just that one anxious phone call to the nurse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the things. But like, I, I mean, I, I would love to like yeah. have you on to talk about the because this is, this is a new thing for you, right? Newish. Like, but yeah, it's like five, six years now, but it's like, 
it still feels new or there's like new things that I'm continually learning as oh, like yeah. MS Isn't progresses. So fun. You're just like, yeah. oh, great. Also plug your po- podcast right now. Yes, yes. So my podcast is called Disability After Dark. It is award-winning. We won a Canadian podcast award in 2021, Woo-woo. which feels cool and weird and bougie to say. We were also, I was also, we, I say we, like there's a team. It's me doing it. It's you. <laughs> yeah. I was also honored um, at the Webby Awards in 2020 as an inclusion honoree, which is cool. Um, and like, so, and I've been, the show has been invited to, different queer award shows in LA and all over the, like I was in uh, London in February to have the show like recognized as part of like a queer trailblazing thing. So like, it's cool. A show that I literally make from my bedroom, from my house with no team and no money behind me. Like it's me and a mic and my computer and that's it. Mm-hmm. So like to know that that's that is really cool. And and I've had the incomparable Debbie Patterson on the show. Mm. I've had the boys from, uh, the boys from Access Me on the show mm. just recently was the last bonus episode we dropped like the other day. Uh, so go if you're listening, go listen to that right away. Uh, the, it's a really I love it because it it started out as a sexuality podcast, a sexuality mm. and disability podcast, and now that I've been doing it almost seven years, I'm like fuck, I can do whatever I want. No, like it's I'll yeah. just do whatever I want. Nobody cares. Yeah, that's that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, uh, sorry, you also like blew my mind a little while back that Queer as Folk came back. They did new seasons of Queer as they Folk. They did a reimagining of it back. Okay. And so I was I was hit up by the, the creator and writer whose who's name I know, Stephen Dunn. Mm-hmm. Stephen Dunn, mm-hmm. who had done Closet Monster some years back. And he reached out to me and said, hey, I'm going to get the rights to Queer as Folk. Amazing. But I want to I want to redo it with disabled folks. And I was like, that's nothing cool. Mm-hmm. And I want some disabled characters. And I need your help to make it appropriate, like to, to make sure that it's culturally competent. So would you, would you like review the pilot script? And so I reviewed the pilot script. Then a couple of years later, he was like, Hey, we're doing it in in 2022. Like, mm. do you want to read? Do you want to read all the scripts? And I was like, okay, sure, great. Mm-hmm. So then I was a production consultant on that. And then he was like, then once I read all the scripts, they called me and were like, do you want to come down and be in the show? And I was like, oh my god. At sure. that point, it would have been rude to put someone else in it. But... Right, I would have been like, oh, <laughs> um, like that. It was cool to be. It was really cool to do that. That's all because they also like brought back the l word for a few seasons i yeah, don't know if yeah. you ever watched that i i watched the original shane like like yep. shane was i am certainly not into for me personally i'm not into girls it's not my thing but shane yep made me feel things i was like what am i feeling it what what is this shane is everyone's type like yeah, yeah. it's like like um catherine monig mm-hmm. like oh my goodness yeah. You are just a gem and I want to see you in everything. <laughs> Do everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they, did you know that they did like newer seasons of that? They did yeah, like yeah, Generation yeah. Q? I, uh, yeah. I, I know that Jillian Mercado, another like 
mm-hmm. disabled badass like activists and actress and yeah model did some stuff in there and like so they did some sexy some, stuff some yeah, sexy some scenes really yeah. sexy stuff in there yeah. so like so important and i like to know that it's finally moving in that direction but we're still having conversations about like how do you do it and how does it happen and it, like mm-hmm. tv it's great that, that representation is there but it's really different when you're in the room with somebody mm-hmm. and they don't know how to navigate the fact that you're queer and disabled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like progress is slow, but you're adding your voice and putting yourself on stage to add to that progress. Yeah. Yeah. I like nice wraparound. I like that. that awesome. <laughs> um, but progress is slow. <laughs> progress is slow. And I mean, even in the, even in the theater space, like, mm-hmm. Typically, when we look at theater stories, like, you know, save for what the brilliant Debbie Patterson is doing, and then Ali Stroker in, in the States and, like, on Broadway, like, mm-hmm. there are a handful of mm-hmm. disabled Broadway stars doing it. And that's a shame because they should be highlighted everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, again, I don't think there's a, a story like what we're doing with Access Me that's so bluntly, like, that blatantly says like no no we're sexual watch we're gonna tell you all about it like mm-hmm. i don't know if this kind of show could be on broadway i don't mm-hmm. um, it would be great if it would be but like i also love there's something really cool about it being indie theater and not really being like mainstream and not being a giant hit and like it's there's something really that i hold valuable knowing that it's not this big juggernaut it's just a little cool thing we're doing and it can be whatever it's going to be. And there, I really enjoyed that part of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like, there is like such a freedom in indie theater. Yeah. Completely. Just... Cause you can, it can be whatever it needs to be. And that's okay. Cause like, you're not going to have reviewers from, you know, broadway.com. Although if any, listen, if any reviewers from broadway.com want to come and see the show. <laughs> yes, they should. June, yeah. yeah. We open June 16th through the 24th at, Daniel Spectrum Theater in Toronto, please come. Um, Nailed <laughs> it. Got yeah. the got those dates in. <laughs> got the plug in. But, but um, yeah, no, I think there's something really powerful about putting these stories on stage, and I'm so excited after four year after four year absence mm-hmm. of workshopping it to finally be bringing it properly back with with more of a with more of a set with more of like a theatery feel because the last couple of times it's because of budget and timing and then COVID mm-hmm. it was just little workshops and that was it mm-hmm. so this has been this will be a nice scary transition to oh it's a show what do we do with this that's amazing I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it I don't have my tickets yet but I for sure will be there amazing well I will be there to greet you and so we'll put because <laughs> there's a whole beginning part where we greet people and bring them into the show and amazing it's so, a, yeah. a good time great uh is there anything else you feel like you want to say about the show or about i was going to say the word advocacy but i won't like is there anything you just want to make sure that you slip in here <laughs> you <could> say, <laughs> uh, the show let me just let me just lay out exactly what the deets are for anybody listening right now so the show runs from june 16th through the 24th at the daniel spectrum aki studio in Toronto, um, we have ASL interpretation on two nights. We have um, someone who does 
attendant care there should you really like the should you really really need something they'll be there um i'm tickets are really accessible they go from you know five dollars for a wheelchair user twenty dollars for an arts worker um thirty five dollars for general admission uh and you know we, we've really done our best to make it as accessible as possible that's amazing great Thank you so much. It was so lovely to meet you. I it feel was like... so lovely to chat with you. And I, I, like I, I'm totally being serious. I would love to have you on my show and just to chat for an hour. It was so fun. Yeah, let's do it. And then I also want to make sure that everyone follows you on socials because I think you're hilarious. And, oh, thank you. Or you're so like on the money and you're so on the pulse and you do it I through just humor. Bought my, I bought my meta verified check mark today. because Oh, that's hello. What... I guess that's what the cool kids are doing now. I just was like, okay, I'll I'll spend money, fine. So, because they were never going to give it to me properly, so I just I bought it. I was like, oh, whatever, okay, fine. So, um, you can find me at Andrew Gerza Six on all the platforms. Um, if you want to follow what we're doing with the show, you can follow us at Boys and. Let me just make sure I get that address right because I don't even remember what it is. Hang on. Uh. I think it is Boys in Chair Collective, but we should look it up. Boys in Chairs Toronto. Oh, oh, you're right. Boys in Chairs Toronto. Yeah. So follow us at Instagram at Boys at Boys in Chairs Toronto. Um, and of course, get your tickets at www.accessme.squarespace.com. All the info is there. Uh, we would love to see you at the show, and if if you are thinking about coming in there from out of toronto come in we would love to host you it's a great time to be in the city and we're so excited to be a part of toronto's pride festivities oh yeah oh yeah happy pride i completely forgot it's june did you plan the show this way that you wanted the show in june for pride i'm pretty sure they did i I certainly didn't but i'm pretty sure yeah yeah yeah. that's brilliant yeah 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 awesome Okay, have a great evening. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Andrew Gerza. I am so glad that this conversation was included in our season-long exploration of the characters, themes, and ideas coming out of Shakespeare's Richard III. Disability, sex, and queerness are definitely part of that discourse. You can catch Andrew Gerza in Access Me, presented by Boys and Chairs Collective, June 16th to 24th, 2023 at the Aki Studio. And of course, you can find us in Withrow Park this summer, doing our production of Richard III, running from August 17th to September 3rd. Thank you for listening.